as we move into the new year. I wonder how 2022 was for you and I wonder how you feel when you think ahead of, uh, into the new year. And there were a couple of cartoons um, that might be... And if you can read it, I think I made too many New Year's resolutions this year. It took me almost a full day to break them all. <laughs> Pick up the next one. He's trying to. I made hundreds of resolutions this year. I figure one or two will stick just by sheer chance. And the final one. Trying to gain £10 before midnight so I can keep my resolution to lose £10 next year. <laughs> I don't know how you uh, feel about the new year. I don't make resolutions. I think I gave that up some years ago when you realise that they don't really last. And some of you may have done last weekend and they might have already gone, but hey-ho. Maybe you just see January the 1st, 23 as the day after the 31st of December, 22, and it's just another day and nothing changes. But whatever you think of turning into a new year, it is a chance to take stock to reflect, to think ahead, maybe even dream about what might be. And I wonder if some of you, when you look ahead, there's a little bit of a sense of fear and trepidation. What will the new year hold? Will I be healthy? And if I'm not, will I be able to get the help that I need? There's challenges there, isn't there, if you only have to watch the news. Will my finances stretch? How will my friends and my family be this year? And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves struggling a bit at the beginning of a year with fear and anxiety. The problem with fear and anxiety doesn't just make us feel horrible, but it shrinks our world. It stops us from growing, stops us from doing things, from moving forward, things that would be beneficial to us. You know, fears about your health can stop you enjoying the moment that you're in right now. Fears about finance can destroy your sleep patterns and also stop you being generous. Fears about relationships can stop you reaching out to people and sometimes lead to loneliness and isolation. And I want us to look at what the Bible says about fear just for a few moments today. And I'm going to read a passage from a book in the Old Testament called Joshua. And this is Joshua chapter 1 beginning at verse 1. This is what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the, to the right or to the left, that you will be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
So who was this man, Joshua? Well, he was a man chosen by Moses to be a leader in Israel. We first hear of him as a military leader. And he ended up taking on the responsibility, taking over when Moses passed away. And the words we've just read were God's words to Joshua following the death of Moses. Siri's listening, even if no one else is. <laughs> you know, God begins by introducing Joshua to a new season. So he says to him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, if Joshua was Moses' right-hand man, he would have known that Moses had died. But God feels the need to sort of make the point, Moses, my servant, is dead. What is he doing? He's introducing a new era, a new time, a new season. You know, Moses has died, that time has gone. Now, Joshua, you are it. You've got to gather all these people together and take them into the promised land. You're going on a journey, and on this journey, you're going to be responsible for all these people. You're on a mission, Joshua. So Joshua had a good history. We don't know an awful lot about him. The Bible doesn't tell us. But let's, let's just backtrack a little minute. So you remember back to Joseph, as in the Technicolor Dreamcoat Joseph, not the, mother, not the father of Jesus one. He left the land of Canaan and ended up as Pharaoh's right-hand man in Egypt. His family then joined him to escape famine. And then over the years, the family of Jacob, his father, multiply until the Egyptians become suspicious of these Israelites and they make them slaves. Many years later, God calls Moses to, leave the, to gather the Israelites and lead them to freedom and they escape crossing the Red Sea. But then because of disobedience, they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. Towards the end of his life, Moses sends 12 spies into the land of Canaan, where they originally came from all that time ago, to see what it's like. Can we go back? Can we get into this promised land? What's it like? So he sends 12 spies out. And 10 of them come back and they say this. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Not a very positive report. They're all huge, we're all tiny. Not a good idea. But two of the spies reported differently they said, we should go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly do it. And those two confident spies were called Caleb and Joshua. Can you see what fear did to the ten spies? We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Fear made them see themselves as small and insignificant. And not only did they do that, but they also assumed that's how everyone else saw them as well. Fear made them shrink back. We're grasshoppers. We're tiny. People will stamp on us. They'll kill us. Joshua was one who declared, come on, let's do it. He wanted to push forward to take the Israelites into the land God had promised them. Did that mean that Joshua had no fear? Do you ever look at other people and decide in your mind what they're thinking? I do sometimes. I think they think. 
Well, how do you know? I look really small. Do you? I'm really not very confident. Look at that person. They're standing at the front with a microphone. They must be really fearless and confident all the time. Not true. We judge, don't we? By what we see people doing and by what we hear them saying, we judge what's going on inside. We assume things about people that we honestly don't really know. We see how the ten spies who came back to Moses said, we're too small. We can see that they're fearful because of how they responded, but it would be a mistake to assume that Joshua and Caleb, just because they came back and went, yeah, come on, didn't feel any fear. On the death of Moses, as Joshua looks forward into the new era, was he afraid? You know, I think he might have felt some fear. Firstly, because of what he faced, he'd got to gather all this group of people together, get them all moving in the same direction at the same time. I mean, that must have been a nightmare of organisation, if ever there was one. If they take this new territory, they've got to keep in line with God's plans and purposes. They've got to face enemies. This is not going to be an easy task. And I also think he faced some fear because of what God said to him. God said to him, be strong and courageous. And God didn't just say it once, he said it three times. Courageous, be courageous, have courage. And the word courage comes from the word in Latin, I looked this up, I don't speak Latin, from the word core, which means heart. And it was believed that emotions came from the heart. The heart was the centre of, of your being, and that's where you sort of, the real you and the emotions and all that came from. And we know now that it's chemicals released in the brain, but we would still think of terms of take heart, you know, put your heart and soul into it. We understand what that means. And being courageous means being strong-hearted. And you know, a root word of the word discouragement, which is kind of the opposite, discourage, a root word of that is shattered or in pieces. And you know when you're struggling to find courage sometimes, do you ever feel like you're in bits? Do you ever feel like you're shattered? I don't mean shattered, tired, although yes, maybe that as well, but you feel like you're in pieces when we're struggling to find courage. Being courageous starts, talks about being strong and being together. And God needs Joshua to be strong and together in order to lead in this new season. And God says, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. And as we enter this new season of 2023, you know, as Chris has already said on the video, God doesn't want us to be fearful. He doesn't want us to shrink back. He wants us to grow and develop and move forward, not just as a church or all of the Elam churches, but individuals. God wants your growth and your development. He wants you to be strong and courageous. But that's not always easy, is it? Just saying to someone, don't be afraid, doesn't generally work. I remember when our kids were little and my oldest daughter got to the age where she was having an injection and it wasn't a baby one where they don't know anything about it. This was the first proper one where she was going to know what was going to happen. So I thought in my wisdom, all right, this is some parenting skills coming right now. 
but you might not want to listen to, to be honest. I, in my wisdom, I thought, what I'm going to do, I'm going to sit her down before we go, and I'm going to explain to her what's going to happen. I'm going to tell her why. You know, injections, they, they hurt for a minute, but once it's done, you know, it stops you being pulled, and all of this stuff. So I sit down with her, and I explain. You don't have to be afraid. Don't be frightened of the injection because it only hurt for a minute, blah, 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 blah. Really bad advice in my experience. Really bad advice. Because what happened was, as soon as she heard, they're going to stick a needle in my arm and it's going to hurt, me saying, do not be afraid, <laughs> meant absolutely nothing. By the time we got there, she was screaming the place down before we'd even got in there. So when my son, who was the next child in line, came to have his one, he knew nothing about it until the needle was in. <laughs> and if you want my advice, I'd go with option two, <laughs> because option one didn't go well. Just saying to someone, don't be afraid, doesn't actually always help. But God doesn't just do that. He gives Joshua reasons to not fear. God maps out the land that Joshua is to go and take, but he makes it clear that it's God who is doing the job. He says, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them. I will give you every place where you set your foot. In other words, you've only got to put your foot on it and I will give it to you. You will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. It's already a done deal. It's already God's plan. All that Joshua is being asked to do is to be the hands and feet of God in carrying out his plans and purposes. And God's plans are not like our plans, thankfully. You know, over the last three years, we have planned three weekends away, none of which happened. You know, coming up to three years ago, we were going to Budapest to see our son who lived there at the time. We got the flights booked, we paid for the accommodation, we were due to leave in March 2020. Of course we didn't go. In fact, my son was already back home before we even should have left. You know, and various other things we plan. We plan a holiday, we plan a trip, a day trip, we plan something and it's our, we have to make it all happen and often our plans just don't happen. And I think Chris also on the video talked about disruption and, you know, we've had to get used to, like, we don't really know whether this is going to work out or not. Like last year we were invited to a wedding in, in the United States and we really wanted to go, but with all the tests and everything, you kind of had to be like, well, if we get there, great, and if we don't, we'll just have to be good with that. And we did get there, fortunately. But, you know, we make plans and the best laid plans don't always work out but God's plans are not like that when God decrees his plans you can be sure that they will happen and they will come to pass it may not happen as we think they should often they don't they don't always happen in the timing that we should think that they should usually they don't but they will happen and we don't have to fear because we have that promise so God promises that it's him that is doing the job. It's his plans and purposes. He also promises Joshua that his presence will be with him. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you and I won't forsake you. And at this point, this becomes the same sermon as we had a couple of weeks ago, which was Christmas Day. 
And David Woodfield spoke about the shepherds. Don't be afraid. I bring good tidings of great joy. There's a saviour coming. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is still with us. He wasn't just with us because it was Christmas and we were singing about it. God is still with us. Over the years, I have been able to visit a few places around the world. And sometimes when you're in a strange place, it, it makes you afraid. You can't speak the language. Is a bit worrying because you're like, if there's a problem, who can I ask? They won't understand me. And I know if you're British, and I appreciate not everyone here is, but if you are, you tend to think if you speak loud and slow, that works. <laughs> it doesn't work, it's silly. You know, we have to communicate. And if you can't communicate, it's difficult. And you don't know where you are, you don't know how to get places because it's unfamiliar and you can get lost really easily. The culture's different, things happen in different ways. And of course, generally, people drive on the wrong side of the road. And sometimes when I've visited somewhere, I've met with local people and over 10 years ago now, I went on a mission trip to Bulgaria and also on to Albania and both times hosted by local people. And suddenly things that bring fear aren't a problem. I don't understand the language, I can't speak Bulgarian, I can't speak Albanian, but I'm with someone who can. And not only can they speak those languages, they also understand mine and can translate. They're local, they know where things are, they know where to go, they understand the culture, they can explain things. And most of all, they'll drive you around, so it doesn't matter which side of the road, you're on, or which side of the steering wheel the car is, is, has. The joy of being with someone who knows and understands. And as we enter this new season, we are with someone, someone is with us, who knows what's going on, who understands the new season, and even if we feel disorientated, and almost like we're on the wrong side of the road, we'll drive if we let him. Emmanuel, God, is with us still. So to back up God's command to be strong and not afraid, God gives Joshua two promises. Firstly, he holds the plans. And secondly, God will be with him. But he also asks Joshua to do something. He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate, it, meditate on it day and night so that you will do everything written in it and then you will be prosperous and successful. So what is this book of the law that he's talking about? Well, the book of the law were the God-inspired writings of Moses, the very, very early part of what we would call the Old Testament today. And one of the things it contained was the law that God gave to Moses. We would call it the Ten Commandments. In other words, God's saying, keep your life on the same track that Moses did. Obey the words that I've given to you. Meditate on it, think about it, so that you don't forget. And God gives his people a framework to live by. And it's a framework which is designed to get the best out of life. Basically, he says, put God first. Don't worship anything or anyone else. Keep a day a week special for worship and rest. Honour your parents. Don't kill, don't steal, including other people's partners. Don't tell lies, don't get jealous. 
Jesus, many years later, sums up the message, love God and love everyone else the way you would want to be loved. You know, it's easy for us as we're living thousands of years later, we're post-Jesus' death and resurrection. We have forgiveness, we have grace. We don't have to think about the law as in the same kind of way. But the danger is if we throw it out and go, oh, well, none of that matters, because it doesn't matter how I live or what I do, because God will forgive me. And that's true, but, you know, God puts down these guidelines for our benefit, and it's still a good idea to be faithful, to not tell lies, to not steal, and all of those other things. It is still a good idea to live in the way that God has planned for us. So do we want to be strong, courageous, prosperous and successful in this new season? One thing that really stood out to me from Chris's message, and it, one of the verses he quoted, it says, look carefully how you walk. And we do to consider living in the way that God intended us. So as, as we enter this new season, I believe God doesn't want us to be afraid because fear will make us smaller, it will reduce us, it will close us in and prevent us from experiencing all he has for us. I believe God requires us to follow him, to walk in the plans and purposes that he has already laid out for us. I believe God has promised that he will be with us always. He understands what will happen and how things will work out. And he wants us to meditate on his word and to follow the guidelines for life that he's laid out for us. So how can we respond just as we come to a close? What are your fear levels like? Maybe you're not afraid. Maybe you're like, yeah, come on. That's great. You can pray for others who maybe don't feel the same. Maybe you're feeling very afraid as you look to the future and go, I just don't know what's going to happen. But you know, God knows the plans he has for you. God is with you and he won't leave you. I wonder maybe if you need to write those things on a post-it note and stick it somewhere you can see today. <coughs> God knows the plans he has for me. God is with me. He won't leave me. And a challenge. Are you living your life in accordance with the way God tells us to live? Is your conscience pricking you and you think, hmm, there's something I need to sort out? That's not a case of making a New Year's resolution that won't last to the end of January. It's a case of coming before God in repentance, asking for forgiveness and asking him to help you change. That's how we change, not by deciding in our own heads. We change by asking God to help us to change. So let's pray. In the quiet, if you're someone who is feeling afraid... You don't know what the future holds. None of us do. Whether you're afraid or not, you don't know. Let's just take a moment to just say those words to ourselves. God, I know the plans you have for me. And I know that you are with me. And you won't leave me. God, I know you know the plans you have for me. You are with me. And you won't leave me. Father God, I pray for us all as a church, those here today, those who haven't made it today, that we will all know that 
reality, that you are with us. As we enter a new year, a new season, a new time, we move forward, time moves on. Help us, I pray, not to be afraid, not to see ourselves as grasshoppers that are going to get just squished out of existence, but to know that we are your children, that we can be strong and we can be courageous because you are with us. We thank you, God, for your presence with us each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.